never understand people that make fun of people that shout and worship and run. It's almost like Michael, David's wife. She made fun of David down there shouting and worshiping. The Bible says her womb was closed. Your spiritual productivity will be stopped. Make fun of people that worship and praise God. Whether they dance on their hands, spin, it don't matter. Let them give that expression to the Lord. You don't know where they came from. You don't know their battles and struggles they faced to get where they are. You got your Bibles. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. to see Sister Kat back in the house of the Lord, Sister Katie, all these recovering from sickness and surgeries and all the sort. I'm glad to see them in the house of the Lord today. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. That word Shur means wall. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They hit a wall, a thing, something, a place. But there was no cure that they could fix. Verse 23, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord shewed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elim, and were twelve wells of water, and threescore ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. When they finally came to water, it wasn't good water, but then when God touched it, it was made right, and then he brought them to abundant supply of water. Turn, if you would, Acts chapter 10. Brother Ron, if somebody back there would write it, Exodus 15 and 22 is where I want you to go back to the main text and just keep it up there for me, 15 and 22. But Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. 
Him God raised up the third day and shewed Him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with Him after He rose from the dead. I want to preach to you from a simple thought. The answer is already in your tomorrow. The answer is already in your tomorrow. If you would, put your Bible down and let's lift our hands one more time as a sign of surrender to Him and to His Word here today. God, we surrender heart, mind, spirit, our will to You today. Speak to us, Lord, that it's not just a sermon. It's not just time that we take up. But God, speak Your Word into our heart, in our spirit, into our mind. And God, let it transform and let it heal today. The human spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus, we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> let, me, let me just kind of uh, just, just wander off into this, if you would, for a moment. Will you stay with me while I, I, I kind of just do what I feel? Man, I've said this many, many times. Man is three-part body, soul, and spirit. Bible talks about these components frequently refers to the heart which many times it's the the psyche the soulish arena of humanity the will the emotions of, of man then there's the inner part the spirit of man that place where the spirit of God dwells where the Holy Ghost dwells Bible talks about this in, in, in reference to the spirit of man when David picks it up, one of the writers, I think it was David in Psalms, I know Proverbs alludes to it as well. He said, for a wounded spirit, who can stand it? When something begins to happen to the spirit of man, the, the inner part of man, it affects everything. That's why the Holy Ghost is so imperative that you and I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not a Pentecostal thing. That's not a just a random thing. It's not an optional thing. It's not STP. You put in your gas tank to get a little bit more power. It's none of the above. It's the Spirit of God living in you as a an essential element to me and you moving forward and overcoming the things that you and I face. Back in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. They didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. All they had was a knowledge of God, an understanding of God, but that was very, very limited. But when the heart or the spirit of man is wounded, that inner part of man, and it's scarred or it's, it's, it's something happens to it, it affects the way we view everything. It affects how we uh, function with, with our relationships of people. And again, I'm not coming today with some psychology approach here today. I, I'm giving scriptural basis for where I'm going. And not only what happens in relationships, but even places of life we found ourselves. Undue pressures and stresses that we undergo through our families, our homes. Things that we never would have thought would have ever happened to us. You think back when you were 15, 16, 18, 19. Somewhere in me and your upbringing, there was a glimpse of what we thought we were going to be. What we were going to do. Where we were going to be in life. Maybe it was coming out of high school. It's like, I'm going to go to college and when I come out, I'm going to be this. But somewhere in those years, everything began to change and the, the atmosphere changes, the setting changes, the place changes, relationships change. And in all of this, we're left to deal with, how did I get here? 
How did I get to this place? How did I end up with this spouse? How did I end up in this relationship? How did I end up in this place? How did I end up with this job? How, what caused all of this? For some, it could go back to when you were young and things that you went through from parental things, mother and a father, abusive or, or on and so forth, or whether it be your peers that were abusive to you, on and so forth. How did I become what I've become today, where I am today. This backdrop is much of where the children of Israel are coming out of. They're coming out of a place that was not comfortable for several, several years. Egypt, they had been there. They had been under the bondsmen of, of Egypt, the taskmasters that had beat them down and told them over and over, you're not good enough. You're, you're worthless. You're, a, you're, you're just a dog. There's nothing good in you. And they adopted a mindset. This is the way I will always be. That's why I've seen it with people that, that have uh, homes and families that are, that, that, that are somewhat abusive. They, they never come out of it. They're always in a mindset of, this is, I am what I am because of my own fault. Some things are not your fault. And we take under ourselves things that we didn't have no, we had no uh, bearing over. You, you, you couldn't help when you were, who you were born to. You couldn't help. If there was a, a mob of people that, that, that got you, I know of people, they were, they were gang raped. How do you recover from some of this stuff? How do you recover in the spirit and the heart and the mind of how do I come out? Because my spirit now, the innermost part of me, looks to that soulless arena. It looks to the soul where there's memories there. And I, I, I can still smell every time I get in a room and I smell that smell that brings me back to when I was 10 or 12 or 15 or 16. I remember the smell of that gym. I remember the smell of that locker room. I remember the smell of that man. Cologne. I remember the smell of the alcohol and the putrid breath that came out of him when he molested me. And the spirit of man is wounded in this. You say, well, Brother Benoit, that's not me. I never was. But yet you're still a product of where you came from. The place, the environment, things that were said, hopefully it was godly and things that were good. But for some, it might not be that way. And I'll be, I'll be honest here today, much of the harvest that's going to be coming into our churches are not going to be well-polished Pentecostals. They're going to be people that have come from things that they didn't know if they were ever going to come out. They didn't know if the sun was ever going to come up again or whether they were going to end their life in the middle of the night. And life has been bitter. Life's been bitter. Life's been tough. Not act, act, I'm not acknowledging some victim mentality. Woe is me. There are those that I understand that. They, they constantly are looking for a handout or sympathy because of their infirmity or their struggle they've been to. And I'm a victim mentality. Make me a poster child. That's not who I'm preaching to today. I'm preaching to people that you've had some rough, rough turns in life. You've had some things that if you and I would get honest about that, that, that we never saw coming. I never thought this would ever happen. I never thought I'd be where I am today. But yet there's one thing is true. Somewhere in this path God has made provision for me. He showed me more time than not that God's with me and if I keep my heart plugged into him and I keep my heart tender to him God's going to make a way for me where there's seemingly no way out. Children of Israel 
have the marks on their back from the stripes they got. They're coming out of Egypt. Now picture, we're coming out of Egypt. We are liberated. Moses is pulling us out. We're going to a great place. The text I read, Acts or Exodus 15. They are three days from crossing the Red Sea. They just came out of Egypt with a strong hand. Can you imagine looking over your shoulder and looking at a Red Sea over your shoulder and seeing Pharaoh being swallowed up, your enemy, once and for all being taken away? The one that has been causing you so much torment. The one that's been causing you so many problems. The one that's been wearing on your mind day in and day out. When you get up in the morning, I've got to go back to the slave pen. And I've got to get beat again for things that I'm not guilty of. We're living in an hour where people are beat down, trodden underfoot. They're looking at answers and trying to find a way. How is this going to change? And you get a wind of hope like the Israelites. They're coming out of the Red Sea and great victory. So much that the first chapter, the first part of 15 is it's a song of victory. How is it I can sing a song of victory on Sunday, but I face things I never expected on Monday? I sing songs of victory on on Sunday and we shout together and we walk together and we rejoice together and we watch our enemy go down. We watch somebody come in that's bound by drugs and we see freedom and they're free from drug addiction. They're free from alcoholism. God fills them with the Holy Ghost. We baptize them in Jesus' name. But then only to find on Monday those old friends start coming back again. Those old situations want to bring you back to where you were again. Children of Israel, they had it over and done. But here's what God says. Go to 22 for me. Yes, there. He says, at the end of it, I'm fixing to let this picture unfold. But there's one reason I'm doing it. I'm proving Israel. I need them to get an understanding of something. That though you're out and you've got victory and the Egyptians are gone and this situation looks like it's remedied, you've got to move forward and you've got to trust me to take care of the things that you can't handle. They left Egypt. They come through the Red Sea. I wonder what it was like, Brother Kyle, on the first day. Mamas are saying, My kid's getting a little thirsty. We need a little bit of water. The water's running a little bit low. Second day, isn't it so funny how humanity works? Maybe the second day it's like, hey, now she goes to her husband and says, hey, this old Moses is leading us in a place. We ain't got no water for the kids. What are we going to do? And the pressures begin to surmount again. And the feeling begins to come back again. Did we make the right decision? 
I tell somebody here today, living for God. I know some of you have been living for God for a long time. But for some that's only been living for God a year, two years, three years, five years, there's going to be moments in your life you're going to want to look over your shoulder and say, did I make the right decision? Did I make the right decision? But let me tell you, I'm 30 plus years down the road, and I got some that are 30 years playing down the road, and we can look over our shoulder at you and say, hey, you made the right decision. You made the right call. When you came to an altar and said, God, I need you to forgive me of everything, and break me out for good. But the battle, third day in the wilderness, and finally, it's not coincidental that that word was put there. Sure. A wall. God strategically led him into a wall. And it shows you spiritual maturity for you and I that God is going to allow us to be ran right literally into a wall. Why? Not to hurt us, not to put us down, not to discourage us, but he gives us a reason to prove us. Prove us of what? God tempts no man. God's not trying to tempt you. What God will do is he'll step back when you and I are facing the wall and he wants to see one thing. Are you in this because you love me? Are you in this because you care about me? Are you in this because it's all about me? It's not about you. It's not not about your kingdom. It's not about your last name. It's not about what you feel and what you feel good or don't feel good. It's about me. And when you hit the wall, if somewhere facing that wall, you can lift that head and look up and begin to declare to him, God, I know that you brought me out for a reason and you're going to bring me in for a reason and your strength will be sufficient. Oh, when you're looking at the wall, I, I, got, I got a phone call last night. He said, Brother Benoit, you got to hear this one, Pastor. He said, you got to hear this one. I said, what? He said, I had a guy. He said, for years, he said, I'd be preaching. He said, I have every evangelist in preaching. He needed the Holy Ghost. He said, he said, he wouldn't move. I said, so he never had it. He said, no. He said, he never had it. He said, he'd stand there with his hands in his pocket and just wouldn't move. He said, he'd stand, but he wouldn't move. He said, and I'd go pray with him. He said, and he just, nothing would happen. I said, yeah. I said, I understand. I said, you know, he said, wait. He said, it gets better. I said, well, he said, well, I, I was preaching this past week or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact time. He said, I looked over there. He said, an old boy had his hands up. He said, I like to fell out. He said, he had his hands up. I said, I understand. So you preach and preach and you, and finally a hand goes up. It's like, man, my God, we have a revival. He said, his hand goes up, so I felt the liberty to go pray with him. He said, I walked up to him, called him by name. He said, hey. He said, can I pray with you? I, I, I know you. You know, you want the Holy Ghost? He goes, yeah. He said, you pray with me. He got to praying with him, praying and praying. For long, that man broke through, and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God filled him. And after it's all over, the old boy come up to the pastor and said, I want to tell you something, pastor. He said, that was the hardest thing I ever done. 
want that to sink in. Because when he said it, I thought, that's where many of us are. It's the hardest thing you've ever done to get out of that pew and run. It's the hardest thing you've ever done to lift your hands. It's the hardest thing you've ever done to lift your voice. It's the hardest thing. When you sing, they're singing a song. You ought to see, you look at the congregation, people just doing this. It's the hardest thing just to close your eyes and stay focused on God. People just don't know how to do it. They don't know because their mind has so been enamored by the world and their attention that when it comes to the presence of God, it's hard to bring your attention on Him. Because so many things in the world has pulled from that and then you add the hurts. For some, the hardest thing they've got to do is take that step out of that pew and make their way to an altar, repent of their sins. Now the beautiful thing about it is, is when you take the step, God will meet you there. You take the first step, he'll take the other ten if you just keep moving. He'll say, come on, I'm going to tie my leg to your leg, and we're going to do that old thing we used to do back in school. I'm going to help you move every step you take. If you'll just get up out of that pew and make one step towards me, I'll move in your situation. Life's been bitter, and life's only going to get more bitter. But if we've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you've experienced a gospel message, he said, I'll be with you until the end. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's the benefit of living for God with all your heart. He said that was the hardest thing. I wonder if that wasn't the children of Israel. I'm facing a wall. How am I going to overcome? Sure, how are we going to overcome this thing I'm facing that says I'll never do it? For some, I'll never forgive the abuser. I'll never forgive what was done to me as a child. I'll never forgive my spouse. I'll never forgive for what they've done. I'll never let it go. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. And you're looking at a wall saying, how in the world am I going to overcome this situation? And then to make matters worse, next verse. They came. To the place that means bitter. Watch. When God finally put the water in front of them, it ain't no good. When God finally brought you over the wall and puts what you need in front of you, it still ain't to your satisfaction. And when God puts the water and they're looking upon, I wonder if there were some of them there, but Steve just rolled up their sleeves and said, I'm going for a swim. I've been three days with no water. And they saw it and they responded. And as soon as they did, it says, this water ain't no good. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe y'all are more spiritual than me. But right then, I would have looked to the heavens and said, God, what in the world are you doing? Watch me. I can't make it without water. I can't make it without a breakthrough. I can't make it if this thing don't change in my life. I can't make it if this pressure don't get off of my marriage, my family, my home, my kids, my situation. I'm facing depression right now that when it hits me so bad, I go into such a dark hole. Nobody knows about my depression. Nobody knows about my fear. Nobody knows about my worry. Nobody knows what I face. But God, I know that you're a healer, but you got me in a place where the Waters are bitter. Life has been bitter. This situation is not changing. And circumstances are not changing. 
time when you could think back how many times we say it when that business was going under and we were losing everything. Did we make the right call? I'd have been better off a doctor. I'd have been better off finishing my school. Am I making the right decision? Ain't got two pennies to rub together. Can't figure out whether, what's going to happen next. But we kept walking. We kept believing. We kept trying to find joy and saying, God, my best day with you is my worst day. Even right now may be bad, but if I got you, it's the best day I ever had when you compare it to living in the world. And I'd lay my head on a pillow saying, God, am I lost? Am I saved? If you come tomorrow, God, am I ready? See, life has a way of making things bitter. And if you're not careful, what you and I went through in our past causes everything to be bitter. People are bitter. Situations are bitter. Circumstances are bitter. I see people walking around. They couldn't smile if you gave them a million dollars, Brother Bushnell. They look like Brother Sal. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Brother Sal. He's smiling. I see some. They don't even smile. I know right now. Don't y'all? Y'all? I know I'm good to look at, but have on smiling at me. But don't smile right now, everybody. But I know some. I see them walking in life. If God ever gave you the Holy Ghost and gave you a second chance, if God ever gave you and I the Holy Ghost, I got more to rejoice about than I ever did when I lived in the world. So, yeah, I, I might not have had a great upbringing. I might not have had a great past. I might not have had a great life. I'm a, but you know what? Now, I got the Holy Ghost, and I got a church family, and I got a group of people that believe in me, and I believe in them. And through the Holy Ghost, we can make it together. Life's been so bitter. And my question then would be, and people going to want what you got? I'm guilty, Sister Michelle. I've been in such a hurry running through Walmart, and you let them mess up the, the grocery order or the thing I'm there for. Oh, Brother Mike, man, I'm just, I got to go. But I'm learning. Catch yourself, Benmore. Because you may be the only example that that lady could see her life is bitter. And she's going through a divorce and she's going through a broken home and she's going through a situation that right now everything's telling her just blow out your brains, quit. Folks, suicide's at an all-time high. Perversion's at an all-time high. This world is in a shape like it has never been before and let me give you a bulletin. I'm going to be real pessimistic. It ain't getting no better. It's only going to get harder and it's only going to get worse. But if there's ever a time that I've made up in my mind to grab my family, my church family, and say, you know what? I'm going to praise him when I I don't feel like it. I'm going to face that wall. I'm gonna, if I got to look at the wall eyeball to eyeball, God, you're still good. God, you're still faithful. God, you're still mighty. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm never going to forget that. If they would have clocked out at that moment, watch. Now, you brought me out of Egypt. And now you're going to let all these problems happen. God brings you out of the world. 
Brother Zach, you're free, you're clear, you got the Holy Ghost, you're moving in God, living for God two years plus. And you hit a wall in your walk with God. What you do at that moment of that wall determines whether you get complete victory for your family and your home. That's why I can't ever believe in quitting. We weren't big. We were in sports and stuff, but we weren't big. My dad didn't push me and all that stuff. I did it because I wanted to. But this is one thing I can say we didn't get from some sport thing. I got it from a daddy that taught me one thing. Don't you ever quit. If you put your name in it and you put your if you put your name out there and said I'm going to do it, then you're going to finish that job until that job is done and don't you stop until then. Well, you know what? That ain't a bad teaching, especially when it comes to living for God. Because sister Nixon, I faced some times in the wall and it looks like I wanted to turn back and say, "You know what? God, it was a little bit better in Egypt. At least I thought I had freedom. It was a lie. What he was trying to show me is this. I just need to know, boy, are you going to quit? Or are you going to keep on going? Are you going to walk for me when things are rough or are you going to throw in the towel and say I'm about done it doesn't matter what they say or what people say all that matters is what does God say and if he can say well done thou good and faithful servant then you and I have completed the mission in the end don't throw in the towel now don't give up now time is too short and the coming of the Lord is closer than it's ever been they would have said no I'm done I'm at a wall life's hard Jack, life will always be hard. Sister Mary, it ain't never. Raising kids is hard. It's always going to be hard, Sister Connie. Always. But you know what? God's not. So when life's hard, if I can get in Him, I can walk above and put under my feet doubt Fear, worry, unbelief, I can put it under my feet and realize if God ever brought me here. I tell somebody here that God didn't bring you to Indian Village because you wanted to. God brought you here for a reason. Why? If nothing else for you to hear the word of the Lord just for today, don't you give up on God. Don't you quit on God now. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how many mistakes you. I don't care if you put the gun to your head and said, I'm ready to blow out my brains and you didn't do it. God still cares. God still loves you. Don't let life be bitter and it rob you of the greatest miracle you've ever seen that's freedom in living for God they didn't watch what they did let's go brother Ron coming up close Verse. and the people murmured they didn't turn back because when life gets bitter you look for anything to blame it on this one was the preacher it ain't the preacher. You're going to blame it on somebody. You're going to blame it on mama, daddy, ain't, uncle, grandpa, your abuser. You're going to blame it on society. You blame it on poor old Bidden. Blame it on somebody. Just blame it on somebody. Why? Because I don't want to face the fact, hear me, that I'm fearful. I've never been in this place before. And when we've never been in a place of God before, we get fearful. That's why that old boy said, it's the hardest thing i ever done to get the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he never had it. And when you get into God, that's why the God picked talking in tongues. 
He said, with a stammering lip, I will speak with my people. And James says, the tongue is the only thing that can't be bridled. Why? Because it's the last thing in your body that shows complete surrender. Because you can lift your hands and fake it. You can come to church and fake it. But when you begin to speak a language you ain't never known before, that's something supernatural. You didn't fake that. You can't fake that language. It ain't just a bunch of jibber jabber. It's a language that the Spirit of God has given you. And when you speak that other language, it's a sign of complete surrender. And when you and I don't experience these things, we get we look for a scapegoat. Somebody we can blame it on. So they look to Moses. What are you doing? Why did you bring it? What are we going to drink? It's like sometimes coming here to the house of God. Preacher's preaching. And at first it sounds bitter. Because our mindset is so programmed. Watch. From people telling us what we need to do. I oppose that. If your job came in tomorrow and they all go, you all got to start wearing new uniforms. It's orange jumpsuits. Huh, Brother Jacob? You got to start wearing jumpsuits now at the work. I think there'd be something in you, probably like me, going, when I worked at Home Depot, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever thing wearing that stupid orange apron. Maybe y'all love it. Go get you one, put it in your closet. I'll see you next Sunday with it. I thought it was ignorant. I could never keep it tied. And poor old Miss Jane, Jane Austen, she got her fancy stuff. She'd get American flag suspenders to do hers. She cut it all off and got all fancy. I'm like, you know what? That's even crazier, Miss Jane. You're acting like you're trying to put a Band-Aid on a cancer. It's ugly. I'd rather Lowe's vest. It's a vest. I never could get them to buy into my concept. And now here you go. Lowe's is the better house. I'm waiting on some of y'all to respond. Y'all aren't all spiritual right now. But you know, when these things come down the pike, one of the hardest struggles I had was wearing that apron, Brother Bush, now. I did. But you know what it was about? Pride. I'll get honest. Pride. I felt like Ringling Barnum and Bailey Circus. I was pride, Brother Bush now. I'm not wearing this. And God says, okay, I'm going to prove you. I'm going to let you go to the bottom before it dawns on you. You can't make it without me. And I'd sit there in that car making barely enough money to, as I said, rub two pennies together. But yet that wall that I faced, Brother Bush now, I'd sit in that car. And I'd lift my hands to the ceiling of that car. And I'd begin to weep and say, Jesus, you're good. You're faithful. God, take it out of my heart. Take it out of my heart. Don't let anything be in my heart that would displease you. I don't want to murmur against anybody. I don't want to blame anybody for my problem. I don't want to blame anybody for where I am. I take full responsibility. You're doing a work in me. And you know what? It's a good work, God. I thank you that you would ever look down on me and count me worthy to put me in a trial, put me in a storm, put me in a problem that you would prove me. Because let me 
tell you what, God, I got enough in me and been raised. I'm going to come out by the help of your hand. I'm going to come out by the strength of your word because you've never, never left me. Next verse, Brother Ron. Musicians come. And he cried unto the Lord. Moses, the interceder, said, Oh, God, come on. He knew those people that if he didn't get a miracle, those people were going to have leaving on their mind. And watch what happens. The Lord shewed to him a tree. And when the tree was put in the water, it was made sweet. Next verse. And he said, if thou were diligent, and here it is, God saying, I did all of this to remind you I'm your healer. I'm not only a healer of your body, but I want to heal you of the things that you went through in Egypt. That's why I say it for the top of my voice. I believe the greatest miracles God's going to do in the end time is the miracle to the mind and the spirit of humanity when they come back to God. I believe that with all my heart because the healing of the spirit affects the behavior of my body. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If my spirit can be healed, and, the, and, and many of the teachers say that when those, that tree hit that water, it, and when they drank of the sweet waters, Brother Fontenot, that water became healing water. And it, it, it had the ability to take away the taste and the addiction to the things of Egypt. And when they drank that water, Brother Bushnell, the taste, the appetite, it was a cleansing. I don't want to get graphic here, but it literally cleansed them not only of their palate, but of their internal organs, completely healing them that they would not have a desire. If they decided to go back or chose our onions and garlic, it would be because of their own lack of faith. God healed them that they wouldn't have to. That's why I say to somebody here today, when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his Holy Ghost and to the saints of God that have the Holy Ghost, God is still a healer for you and I. And whatever you went through 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, five days ago, if you and I can drink of the waters of Calvary, something will forever change and you and I, we don't have to stay where we are. And it stripped them, it cleansed them, it healed them. And God says, I want you to know that if you'll do this, I will be a perpetual. This ain't, that's why I've, I've watched healings, how they're random, spot here and there. According to that word, healings don't have to be random. He said, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, healing will be a perpetual promise and covenant that I give you moving forward. 
That's why I can boldly come to somebody and say, if you need a healing, God can heal that. I'm not God and I can't heal you, but I can tell you one thing is sure. Whatever mental anguish you need a healing of, whatever thing in your spirit you need healing of, whatever you need healing of in your physical body, Jesus said, I'm the total encapsulation of complete healing. I suffered on my back the stripes just like the Israelites did. I suffered in my mind just like people do with a crown of thorns. But when you turn to me, I have an ability to take it away, but you've got a drink of what I've provided. James said it like this, 3.11. He said, go to the next verse, Brother Ron. James in 3.11 says it like this. He said, how can bitter and sweet come from the same fountain? How can blessing and curse come from the same fountain? What God's trying to show somebody is here today The bitterness of your life And what you went through yesterday He's offering a remedy today It's not pseudo I ran into a girl just the other day at the phone store Getting a, getting a phone Helping him do, do some stuff and, and before he got there I, I talked to her She said are you a preacher I said yeah I didn't ask her how can you tell But she I'm thinking, Do I have preacher on my head I said yeah she said, oh, okay. She went quiet. I said, why? Where do you go to church? She said, where are you from? She said, I'm from Houston. I said, good. I said, where do you go to church? She said, oh, I'm Buddhist. In Lake Charles. I said, there ain't no Buddhist temples here. What are you doing? She said, well, they got them in Houston. I said, oh. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, was your mom and daddy? No, I said, no, I said, your mom and daddy wasn't Buddhist. I said, they were Christian. Matter of fact, they were of a different faith, and I named the faith they were of. She said, yeah, yeah, you know that. I said, I just, just lucky guess. She said, I said, but why did you go to Obuda? She said, watch. She said, because Christianity let me down. I said, and I'm sorry to hear that. I said, let, let, me, let me say it just real. The system let you down. The Christ didn't let you down. And I stopped. Because I could tell she was about to, them little nails were about to pull my eyeballs out. She wasn't happy, and I left her with my boy to deal with him. That's why you had so much trouble. Thank you. You're welcome. But you see, here's the mindset of so many people. This is just a church. This is just a Pentecostal church. This is a Baptist church. We need to get all that out of our brain. This is about Christ and have an encounter with him like the word of God says. Because here's the facts. The system will let you down. Christianity and people will let you down. But if you keep Christ as the center of that faith, he will never let you down. Never. He can't ever fail me and you and I. He can't ever do. Even when he don't do what you want him to do, he didn't fail. It's just you got a preconceived of what you wanted. He never fails. He just got our best interest at heart. And we sometimes can't see that. Stand with me.
I read that scripture in Acts. This was Cornelius' closing statement. And I know you're standing, so I'm not going to keep you up. This is the closing. Cornelius, Peter, the whole story. And here's what he says. He says, this Christ that you crucified, you hung him on a tree. <clears throat> Symbolic, metaphoric, type shadows. It's all, it's all in one. Calvary was more than just a thing we do on Easter. There was something more that you and I do and celebrate on Pentecost. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to be experienced by you and I. It's not just a story. Well, I know the gospel. No. Did you experience the gospel? Because if I don't take a drink and put my tree of bitterness in the water, Calvary was bitter. Let this cup pass from me. I don't want to drink of this. It was bitter. It was a bitter cup. Even he was having to face the bitternesses of life. He said, if it's, don't, don't make me, I don't want this cup. He was God manifested in the flesh. But even he had to take the bitterness and nail it to a tree. Just like you and I are going to have to take life's bitternesses and bring it to an altar and say, God, forgive me. Forgive them. You say, well, I wasn't wrong. The greatest mark of forgiveness is, you, is this right here. And I didn't get this on my own. The elder preacher taught it to me. He said, if you can pray for God not to judge them or condemn them, but to give them a pass on mercy, you have truly forgiven I just hit a stump right there. I could feel it. If you can't pray, God, have mercy on them, save them, and really mean it, you haven't forgiven. But if you can pray, God, release them, and please, God, cover them. All of that's done at an altar that says, God, I'm taking my tree of bitterness, and I put it on an altar, and I'm dying out to myself. I'm dying out to my will for one reason. I forgive forgive me and now today God I need you to fill me with your spirit that I experience resurrection and healing the only way you're going to be healed of your past last statement Boy Scouts on is that the Holy Ghost fills your spirit you'll never be healed you'll keep going through life struggling fighting battling bitterness anger you know that's what Myron means bitterness it means vexed, angry it will always be there but if I can give it to him God will take it away today and the bitterness will be replaced with a sweet joy of living and serving God I want you to reach over right now grab the hand to the person next to you let it be appropriate husband, wife, man, man, lady, lady be appropriate take that hand right now and lift it to the heavens we're going to all talk to the Lord right now I'm fixing to open this altar Jesus I'm asking you right now, let your word saturate the heart. Come on, close your eyes. Just talk to him right now. If you'll take the first step out of that pew and make your way to the front, God will begin to do a miracle with you right now. Come on. You got somebody's hand. Maybe they'll take you down with you. Come on, let's come together as a family today. We're together. There's nobody by themselves. From the back to the front, let's all come as a family.
Come on, lift your voice right now. Let's repent. God, forgive me. Somebody could get the Holy Ghost today. Somebody could taste of the sweetness of living with for Jesus today. Come on, I'm not trying to give you a generic altar call. I've challenged you as much as the Holy Ghost will let me challenge you. The decision is up to you. You've got to make the decision, God. I want to serve you. I want to taste of the waters that are not bitter no more. I'm ready, God, that I can look at life with a joy and an excitement again. I want to look at ministry again. I want to look at living for God again. I want to look at involvement for the things of God again. with me, ministers, help me pray. Come on, saints of God, I need your help right now.